0: It's weird not having anyone else with me. Is this how you feel every week, Phil?
1: <laughs> yeah. I usually spend a lot of
0: time crying. <laughs> uh, welcome back, guys. So, Good to talk with you.
2: So we should explain that uh, we're all, all three of us are in separate locations. We're all in secret locations.
0: So lonely. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bill is on vacation. Phil is where he usually is and I am somewhere else near Naperville (laughs)
2: Um, I am I'm up all the way in Ashland, Wisconsin we are on a family vacation exploring uh, the beauty that is Wisconsin and we were in Duluth, Minnesota yesterday and uh, it's been, it's been great vacation and not working is so much better than working
0: and it looks like it? you're you're fitting in some uh some beer tastings too so that's helpful
1: yes
2: absolutely yes <laughs> always yes
1: is
0: it, is it still
1: snowing Duluth this time of year uh it's, it's just more flurries really <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can get away with a light north face in July yes yes and just earmuffs
0: <laughs> um yeah Well, I mean, we had started, when did we post that, the story from, uh, it was the Washington Post, right, about the Obama administration and their awareness of of Russian interference in the elections. That was, it had to be almost a week ago at this point.
1: Yeah. Yes, it was,
2: uh, yes, it it was, I can't remember the exact date, but yeah, it's been almost a week since that that story broke. Uh, And I would say it's one of the more compelling and fascinating pieces of journalism that we've seen uh you know about the Trump administration, about the Obama administration, there's so many there's multiple different angles we can break down. I it's a great place to start. I'm
0: really surprised it's not getting more coverage. Yeah.
1: So Bill, do you want to start by explaining uh, for people who haven't read the article or seen the article explaining a little bit about it? Sure, yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh so the Washington Post uh apparently had been researching this and you know working on this for quite a while uh multiple 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 sources at all angles and it all began with uh, a piece of information that they discovered that in early August uh, some uh, Brennan I think it was Brennan from the CIA came over and presented Obama and and a handful of individuals like three or four individuals at most uh, this this piece of intelligence suggested uh, early August that not only was Russia behind the hacking and the propaganda for the elections but that they had specific intelligence going all the way, suggesting that Putin was not only directing this, but had very clear intentions of targeting uh, Hillary and bringing her down. Right. So the, the intent of this whole campaign was to either make life incredibly difficult for her, or ultimately have uh, Trump win. So I mean, this was, I would say, the first like definitive piece of information we've had that goes all it's just, it goes all the way up to Putin. This is not some rogue thing that Vladimir Putin was directing
1: uh and had a very clear plan for this this uh broad initiative and the the intelligence was so top secret that they hand delivered it in an envelope only like you said three or four people were allowed to see it and after they were done looking at it they took it back with them like they didn't leave any copies they like even with the president of the United States didn't get a copy of it it went back to the CIA or whatever. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. And so then this sets
2: off the chain of, of events and reactions of the Obama administration, which we can dissect and look at in terms of how the administration responded, what it did. Uh, the criticism that came out this week is that, you know, they were not very forceful in the response. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Congre- there were so many, you know, the congressional angles, how everybody interacted with that. Uh, once this information was out, like how it played out over the next three months is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Where, where do you guys want to start?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, let well, me, I mean, go ahead. I, I would start with talking about, uh, um, I mean, the thing that is interesting to me is the way Obama handled it. And I, yeah. like I, yeah. I in, in from my perspective, this article is pretty damning for him. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think there are arguments to be made and that he made about why he didn't go public with this, but None of them are particularly compelling to me. I, I'm like I, I I see him in a pretty critical light, at least with this in this
0: particular context. I mean, this would have fundamentally changed the lead up to the election. I, I, I mean, I I can't even imagine what that would have looked like had that information come out.
2: Well, what's interesting, it, it, so in some ways it does ultimately come out, uh, but because it was an act, October October seventh. Obama doesn't release it, but he has that joint statement from the intelligence agency basically saying this is what had happened. uh, That, you know, they didn't name Putin, but they basically said this goes to upper levels of the administration. And they lay out the case that Russia's, you know, trying to intervene in the election. But if you remember, October, I think it was October 7th. Was the same day that the Access Hollywood video, Access Hollywood video breaks? Right,
0: right, right, right. Uh,
2: so yeah, so it was literally like half an hour. You know, they released this story half an hour later. Those tapes really are broken. And I want to say WikiLeaks also dumped a huge bunch of emails that day. So so it was out there, but it, it was over overtaken by all this all, all these other stories. Was uh, that the PizzaGate day? I mean, that was
0: clearly more important. PizzaGate
2: <laughs> was bigger news. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so, so to Phil's point, this week a number of people have been very, very critical of Obama to say this is classic Obama of, of hesitating, of deliberating, you know, this was a, a, a time you had barely definitive information saying Russia was behind this, they're attacking, you know, maybe the most sacred thing of the American democracy, and he hems and he haws and, uh, and, and nothing gets done, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there were, I mean, so there are, there are arguments about why he didn't do this. And I think they're valid arguments about why he didn't make a more forceful statement. And they had, you know, I, I get why he would be reluctant. Like you were saying, Nick, if he had, if this had been sort of, if he had come out and announced this in sort of a presidential address or whatever, it would have altered. It would have had a massive impact on the election. And, and I, I understand why that would worry him right i understand why that would make him hesitant to make that sort of statement Mm -hmm. um he also and it was mentioned in it's been it's been mentioned in previous stories it was mentioned in this one as well that mitch mcconnell had pulled him aside and basically told him you don't don't go public with this like that's you're going to be you know we're going to accuse you of trying to alter the election and all of that um so I mean I think there's a little bit of blame that goes to Mitch McConnell on that, but ultimately Barack Obama is the president, right? Like right. you deal with people trying to address you and or try to trying to sway your policy decisions, and you have the responsibility, You have to make the decision, right? Mitch McConnell wasn't yeah. the the president. Tom Nichols, I don't, I don't know if you he's I follow him on Twitter. He's a conservative, but has really kind of uh, um, been pretty brutally critical of, of people who have sort of pointed the finger at Mitch McConnell and saying that, that basically what I was just saying, that Mitch McConnell's not president, right? Obama, if you don't want the, the responsibility of having to make these decisions, making these hard decisions, then don't don't be president, right? Don't right. run for president, so.
2: Absolutely, and it, I think it's pretty clear that had this been a Republican president, the reaction would have been just diametrically opposed, right? If a Republican were in office and this happens, they wouldn't worry about the partisan implications, right? They would embrace those partisan implications and uh, attack Russia. You know, who knows what the the actual reaction would be in terms of sanctions or what would be done? But it would be way more forceful, forceful, uh, and there wouldn't be this fear about being painted as a partisan. Right? Uh, and I think that it captures so much of that difference between Democrats and Republicans, and Obama in particular. This idea right. of being so hesitant of, of not wanting to do, make a mistake.
0: The only caveat that I would have to that is, I, and like you said, this is fairly definitive proof that Putin is directly involved in in what is going on, and I'm I I can understand the the um, uh, need for what's what's the right term um, the uh, Wow, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm half a beer in um uh the 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 reason for um just a a slow reaction in general like that the implications of what could happen if you implicate the the leader of what's ostensibly should be one of our largest i won't even say diplomatic but economic allies and with a a population that to some degree, is fairly lock in step with his policies. I would say that that has big implications going forward.
2: And I, and I think also he's uh, Obama was afraid that Russia would then intervene further in the elections, right? So right. Right, this, you know, there were two concerns: one, the being labeled as overly partisan, but also this is still before the election, and uh, the intelligence agencies found clear evidence that Russia was probing. All of our you know not all but a number of these uh, state electoral systems which right. you know isn't federal it gets to the state level and so there was concern that if they did something back
0: they uh, if there was a out.
2: response right yeah. then russia would escalate it and then then you actually have the integrity of the election at stake and so i, I you know i think their their defense is two things one we didn't want to politicize the election or it into a partisan issue and we're worried about the election uh, results themselves and tampering so uh, but it's still, it, I, I tend to agree with Bill. It's just, it was such an easy one.
1: It should have been a slam dunk to, to be more forceful. Yeah. It's hard It's hard to, ju- hard to say that we don't want to make an announcement or take further steps because we're afraid of altering the path of the election yeah. when what you're responding to is something that you have evidence of already having altered the path of the election, right? right? Yeah. Or at least potentially having altered the path of the election. I wonder how much of the hesitation... Because I I get it. Like, if I put myself in Obama's shoes, like, it's easy for me to be critical. And I I think it's right to be critical of him. But I also understand why if I were in that position, Mm -hmm. it would be, like, it would be a difficult, you know, trying to figure out what the right approach is. And I wonder how much of that hesitation or that difficulty is because of this is unprecedented. Like, this is sort of the first time this has occurred. So, I mean, it's happened in other places, right? I mean, you, Russia has tampered in Ukrainian elections and in you know, other European elections, but it's the first time a, an American election has been tampered with and that we know of in a major way by an outside um, power. And so there's this question of what, you know, where does this fall in the scale of, you know, it's not war, right? They haven't dropped a bomb on us, but they have, they have altered and inter- interfered with our electoral process. It's clearly a violation of our sovereignty, mm. but it feels less concrete than 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 other types of attacks. So if you take the the approach that it's an attack, then absolutely he should have said something. More needs to be done, and there's evidence that he viewed it that way. I mean, they used the red line direct to Moscow. They mm. essentially they're, they're, the story talks about how we have now embedded essentially electronic weapons within Russian infrastructure that we haven't used yet, but they're there sort of, you know, an electronic atomic bomb sort of at the point in the future, if we need to, we can detonate. Those are serious measures. So it's weird to me that you would see the attack as serious enough for those sorts of responses, but then also not serious enough to make a public statement about it. But I also see where, you know, it's not Pearl Harbor, right? It's not September 11th, but it's it's a it's an attack, but it's of a different kind that we're not sure how to process yet. I think.
0: I mean, and what the
1: rules. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, I I, I was uh, just agreeing with that. Like I, this is what warfare is, is it's what it is now. This is what we're going to see, as opposed to you know armed or or nuclear conflict. I mean, if you can take down the entire you know infrastructure system, power grids, water management um transportation just any of any one of those systems any component of those systems that's infinitely more devastating than you know a tactical attack by a standing army
2: that's right and we don't have rules of engagement yet for that like what's the what's the appropriate response if if Russia intervenes do we carry out a major cyber attack right i mean that, that's all uncharted territory right. and mm-hmm. i think the other important thing is if you're in Obama's shoes and you're looking at this and you're thinking about the threat of Russia actually intervening in the, the electoral process, uh, you're looking, you know, that you're going to create a partisan element to the election. And, and don't forget that Donald Trump is talking about the election potentially being hacked, right? And he's out there every day saying this. So that's probably weighing on Obama's mind as well. Um, and I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> What's <laughs> going around? Uh, oh, oh, here, I remember now. Uh, the other thing is everybody assumed that Hillary Clinton was going to win, right and so that you would then be passing this on to somebody who was your former Secretary of State and there, there probably wasn't the the pressure to say we have to do this immediately. We can wait until after yeah. the election and then you know then we can have some kind of more devastating response and mm. then they would caught, caught totally off guard when Trump wins
1: right that's that's true if you if you assume that Hillary's going to win, which virtually everyone did. Then the attack was not successful, right? And so you can wait to you can afford to wait. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think um, the piece even said that
0: after after the election, the members of the administration, the lower levels of the administration, were just it was a, a funeral dirge because I, the ones yeah. who did know about this knew that they should have done something. So I, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. And again, I'm I'm shocked that there hasn't been more coverage of it.
2: And I also think, you know, I, I think you're right, Phil, to say that, you know, Obama bears more responsibility than Mitch McConnell. But Mitch McConnell still, history is not going to judge this him well on this because, you know, Obama gets this information. They digest it for a while, break it down, and ultimately get the intelligence community with Obama and congressional leaders to come together and say, hey, this is what we have. We should have a bipartisan response to this to say this is separate from— you know, the presidential election, you know, Democratic, we just that we should condemn this. And he says, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm not going to do it. I don't buy this intelligence. And, you know, if you go out and do this, I'm going to accuse you of being partisan. Right. I mean, that that's terrible you know, yeah. in terms of thinking about the significance of this intervention. And here he is saying, no, no, no. I mean, he instantly moves to that more
1: traditional Republican. I'm going to use this to my advantage dynamic. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it um, excuses Obama at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty despicable, right? Like, yeah, I mean, okay. it is. Uh, yeah, it would have been fantastic to see, a, like a you know, a joint press conference in which Obama gives this information out, and he's standing there with Hillary and Trump, right? With with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, yes. all basically unified condemning this interference. Um, I can't imagine Trump ever would have done that, right? I, I can see lots of more traditional Republicans filling that role exactly, right? Like, sure you know, not. Hillary Clinton and Marco Rubio or whatever standing there making this statement. But, I, yeah, I can't imagine Donald Trump ever doing it. New, no. um, But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the right response, right? I mean, and, and you've seen yeah. that, that, you know, the correct response is that this is an attack on America. This is not a partisan issue. Regardless of which party you are a part of, this should concern you. Well, and the other thing is the administration tried to reach out
2: to each of the individual states saying – I don't know how much information they could share, but say that we're concerned about these elections being compromised, mm. will you work with us? And a number of states, particularly southern states, were like, no, 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 We, you know, this is, we don't want you involved. I think it was the, uh, is it the attorney general for Georgia, or uh, whoever, who is, what, what position is in charge of the elections? That's not attorney general, secretary, whatever it is. Uh, Comptroller. What's that? Comptroller. Comptroller, yes. <laughs> Uh, of being partisan, saying no, we want nothing to do with this, we and still, and that individual said we still don't, or he still doesn't buy that Russia was trying to intervene. So it's it's almost as if the that partisan element is so thick that nobody can even assess intelligence fairly. Oh, yeah. But
1: that's where that's where a public statement would have like. So if you're a skeptical Southern. Secretary of State or whatever dealing with elections, and you don't really trust Obama, and he calls, and it's not him obviously, but somebody from the federal government calls and says, you know, we would like to work with you on your elections, and you're from a, you know, states rights type of state. It's hard to, you know, without the information, without sharing what's going on in the intelligence, it's hard to convince people, right? Which is why it's, it's, you know, so there were there were lots of warnings, like you said before, there were lots of statements about Russian hacking, but. If you're not willing to actually step up and say this is what's going on, and we're going to issue a public uh, response—I was going to say threat—it doesn't have to be a threat, but a response <laughs> to Russia. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, if you if if you're not willing to share what you know, it's hard to convince people that it's important. Sure, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I I mean, piggybacking off of what Bill was saying and somewhat what you were were saying, Bill. I, I mean, had there been a statement. Um, done by Obama and you know, Hillary and, and Tr- Trump or whoever it was on, on the Republican sure. side. Realistically, what in this hyper-partisan environment that we're in now and that we realistically have been for the past several years, what would have been the benefit to the Republican candidate to be part of that? I, I mean, I, I, from a strategic standpoint, they probably made the right call. I mean, Mitch McConnell was clearly thinking, again,
1: playing three dimensional chess. But not that it's no. You're right now, no, but, but you're exactly right. You're. I mean, you're exactly right from a totally like self interested perspective. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do that, and you would want to shut it down. Right. But that's the. You know, that's where it's it's disheartening that that's where. And we've talked about this in the context of lots of things. This you know the, over, during this podcast is that that's one of the frustrating things about the state of American politics that. Yeah. That issues become so partisan that the partisanship comes before the issue, right? right? Like this, yeah. this is an issue of, of all the issues out there. This is an issue where partisanship could should come second, right? Like you would you would hope it flipped around, right? If it were if it were someone hacking on be, on behalf of Hillary Clinton, you would hope that Hillary Clinton would get up and make a statement saying. That as Americans, we stand together saying this is, you know, this is unacceptable. Yeah. But it is. We are – it's hard to picture that in, the, in today's political environment, and that's, that's
2: sad. Mm-hmm. And then you see this transition. I mean, you have the Obama administration who essentially doesn't do nothing, right? Because he did – I will say he confronted – apparently he confronted Putin directly about this. At one of their meetings, he came up and said basically stop, right? This has got to stop or there's going to be some escalation. So, you mean that wasn't
1: a- – that wasn't enough to stop it, Bill. No.
0: <laughs> no. What are you talking about? I don't know anything
2: about that. And you know, there were other, other ver- verbal confrontation, but nothing physical. But then you get so the Obama administration essentially does is not forceful, and then you transition to the Trump administration, who is basically still denying this, right? Uh, right. Well, I shouldn't say denied, because Trump was tweeting no. this week. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but now, if you're Vladimir Putin. This, is, this couldn't have worked out any better. Oh, yeah. Uh, you meddle in the election. You get the candidate you want. You undermine democracy. You create this hyper-partisan uh, environment where nobody believes anything anymore. and uh, it's,
1: uh, He's got to be so pleased at how this, this trend all and, worked out. And the candidate you have in place is a candidate who is doing – Going above and beyond to sort of remove America from a leadership role in the international, you know, in the international yeah. system. Yeah, it's it's beautiful if you're if you're Putin. They won. They finally won. I, right. <laughs> I
2: still don't understand that. Will is it your? Do you think will Trump do anything about this? Will he just let this slide and and move on? Maybe you know lift some sanctions. I mean, is will he do anything about this? Is there any sense of that?
1: I can't. I mean, I have no. I don't. I don't have any insight into that. I can't imagine. Right, like Trump's M O is is whatever it looks good for Trump. Right, I don't see any yeah. reason. So the extent to which he might do something that's that's what is was fascinating about this week. You we were talking about yeah. Trump tweeting. He tweeted. Uh, I don't forget which day it was. He tweeted one like within twenty four twenty four forty eight hours. He tweeted one tweet about how uh, the real collusion. There was no collusion. The real collusion was between Hillary <laughs> and the Democratic Party, and that the Russian story is a hoax. And then this story came out, and like 36 hours after that first tweet, he tweeted about how Obama didn't do enough to respond to Russia, right? So he's he's he is within a day and a it's half ending. claiming there is no Russian story, and Obama fucked up by not doing enough about the Russian story. Right? So, I mean, what that shows, though, yeah. is, is what Trump's going to do whatever – it makes Trump look good, right? So if but, he could critique Obama, this might actually open the door for him to do something. But I can't imagine. Like, it's it's got to be I, – I, he just strikes me as a person who doesn't – we talked last week. I, I, I imagine that foreign policy is low on his priority list, right? And I just can't imagine that he's going to get worked up enough to do anything about this when he benefits from it. But he also yeah, – <coughs> so, no, no, go ahead, Bill.
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's the audacity of actually flipping this and accusing Obama of collusion. Like, it's just, it, it's so bizarre. I, it, I can almost appreciate the craziness of it. Like, it, it you know, it's oh, I'm, I'm trying to find that tweet, but I can't.
0: Well, he's got to know at this point that the average uh, attention span of Americans is, you know, similar to a goldfish. Like, you can right. make up whatever fucking narrative you want. And realistically, they're not going to remember the story from 24 hours ago. They're going to, they're looking at your tweet. They don't care about that. You're right. Yep. That's right. That's
1: and, 200, you know, tweets back at this point. And back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, Nick, about partisanship being the primary explanation for most political behavior, right? hmm If that's your primary explanation, then, then... <laughs> it doesn't have to necessarily contradict that both the russian hacking didn't happen and obama was bad right it's you know it's the same thing like you there are, i think I'm, there are lots of examples i'm sure of democrats being critical of trump in the way that you know partisanship comes first it's not a right. policy thing so. yeah the only ones that are going to focus
0: on that are fake news outlets anyway so what does it matter
2: right. Right. <laughs> i did at one point 2 days ago he tweeted out uh, you know, they have zero tapes of, of T. He's calling himself T now in his tweets. He's not calling tea. himself Trump, which is even better. <laughs> uh, they have zero tapes of uh, T people colluding. There is no collusion and no obstruction. And this is my favorite. I should be given an apology. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he really he really wants people to
0: apologize to him a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well,
2: you know, he's he's been targeted. He's a poor guy, you
0: know. Obviously. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, well, should we talk healthcare now?
0: Sure. <laughs> That's equally as fun. Uh, all
2: right. So, Phil, uh, do you want to you want to start us off in
1: healthcare? I know you're 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 a doctor, so. <laughs> 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 yes, a, a a professional academic doctor and amateur medical doctor. Practice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the summers. And you do a little dentistry as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I mean, I, I feel like, I, this is a weird thing, because I, I feel like both, it, it you know, when we talk about sort of explaining or providing context, I feel like the, the healthcare story has been sort of front page news for a long time. So I don't, in some ways, I don't feel like I need to necessarily explain it. On the other hand, uh, there was lots of coverage of the House bill. There was relatively little of the Senate process, right? So. Over the past few weeks, the Senate has been working, and I shouldn't say the Senate, um, a group of senators have been working on a Senate version of the healthcare bill. So the House passed their bill. It goes to the Senate. Um, it was pretty much known from the beginning that the Senate would not pass the House version, right? They were going to come up with their own version, and then they would go into a reconciliation process where they would figure out how to make the two line up. So the Senate had a group of, I don't know, it was like 10 or 12 senators who were working behind closed doors on a Senate version of the bill. Um, and they, there was no, there was no leakage of news coming. I mean, there was even senators didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what the bill was going to say. Um, even Republican senators didn't know what the bill was going to say. So uh, earlier was it earlier this week? Mm-hmm. Was it yeah, Monday? Yeah. Anyway, earlier this week, the the Senate bill was finally released. It was sent to the CBO for a score. That score came back. Slightly better than the House bill. I think the House bill was going to lose, was going to bump 23 million people off of health insurance. The Senate bill will only bump 22 million. Awesome. Yeah. So, well, it's way better. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, the the plan was for McConnell, for Mitch Mitch McConnell, was to to sort of get this process done quick, right? I think he wanted to keep it behind closed doors as long as possible, release it. Have very quick discussion and then a vote, and the plan was to have a vote. I think by so they're about to go on on Fourth of July recess, so they were going to vote before I think by Friday before they go on recess, mm-hmm. um, and there was enough opposition from Republican senators uh, that they have delayed that vote now until after after the um, after the July Fourth recess. Mm-hmm. So there's I, there's lots of aspects to this that we could talk about um the substance of the bill the handling of the bill right so we've we've been talking about mitch mcconnell mitch mcconnell is i i personally think a a pretty terrible person but he's a really good politician right i mean he's very good good at this only the best ones are phil (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean we can talk about the strategy of it the future of it i mean the the sort of ultimately i think most of the responses most of the people who have read this bill i have not read the bill uh, have read this bill have basically characterized it as essentially Medicaid reform, right? It cuts Medicaid um, and provides a sizable, massive tax cut to the wealthiest Americans. Um, the part that's interesting is that the Trump administration and uh, people in the Trump administration continue to say that it doesn't touch Medicaid, which is like a, such a blatant, obvious, like <laughs> yes. it's just no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not spin, right? Like spin has been a part of politics for a long time, right? You try to. Take what you're doing, and you talk about like you that that would involve talking about this bill as you know. I think who was it? Paul Ryan? Somebody at some point in the House part did what I would consider spin. Oh no, it was the it was the um, his budget director. Oh uh, Mulvaney, whatever. Mulvaney, yeah, yeah, who talked yeah. about how what we want to prioritize. We want to talk about the rights of the taxpayer, right, and and their rights not. That's spin, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Saying this doesn't touch Medicaid when it cuts massive, massively from right. Medicaid is just lying, and that's like a that's a different approach to politics that we haven't right. seen quite as often in the past. Anyway, that's that's a lot of stuff for me. You guys talk. <laughs> well, you know, it was uh, what I was absolutely, and for me, I agree with you, Phil. Like Mitch
2: McConnell is very good at his job, and he knows he's very effective. Things get done. So the fact that they had to postpone this vote, that they lost, what was it, five Republican senators were yeah. uh, wishy-washy, and so they knew they couldn't do the vote this week, that's that's a loss for him because he wanted this done before 4th of July because now everybody goes home, uh, and they're going to face some of their constituencies. It allows liberal groups to organize the masses. Like, I, I still think there's a chance this passes because the Republicans will find ways. I mean, if you've only got to peel off a handful of individuals, you can – start throwing incentives at them, but uh this was this was a miscalculation by Mitch McConnell.
1: So I it'll be interesting to see because I I think I think you're right on one level. I think uh it did not go the way like I think he wanted to get it done and there was enough resistance um that he couldn't get it done. I think you would be way premature to assume it's done, right? Because what this also does is it takes the the Senate healthcare bill, bill off of the front page, right? It's oh, you, everyone kind of breathe a sigh of relief, and yeah. you've got this break where McConnell has. I mean, this is the chance to to do the negotiations behind the scenes to get those extra two or three votes you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I don't I don't think uh, my first response when I saw that it was the vote was delayed was like a you know a sigh of relief because I don't I I think it's a bad bill, but. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think it's done. Like, I would not be at all surprised to see them return from the recess with the votes to get it passed.
2: Well, and th- although this is, going home with this bill is going to be tough, because it still has, I, I, it just seems like such a bad, bad bill to bring forward. It's, it's cartoonishly evil in the sense that it offers <laughs> this massive, you know, tax cut for the rich, right? You know, really, really the super rich. And then you're just hammering Medicaid... Uh, and you know what do you say? 21, 22 million people are going to be cut off, uh, you know, without insurance in 10 years. I mean, this is there's not a lot to go home and sell to your constituents. Uh, you know, even even Trump had said, you know, with the house bill that he didn't want it to be mean. You know, this this is this seems just
1: as mean. He described as the house bill. bill. He described this bill as yes, yes, mean spirited, or I don't remember what the exact word was, but yeah, similar as of state yeah. or state statement, right? right. Only because uh, Obama called it mean. Did you see that? So Obama
2: came out this week and called it mean, and then Trump was interviewed and he said, no, "No, no, no, no. I called it mean. I'm stealing my words, I said it was mean." <laughs> so, so, well, did you he see his? Told you, Donald.
0: <laughs> did you see the last thing? So there, the the plan now is to have an amended version come out, hopefully before or by the end of Friday, before they actually leave for recess. Really? Um, okay. Yes. So then they can take it back to their constituency and and look over the changes. But then Trump had said had tweeted something about how the bill needs a little bit more time and a few more changes to make it quote perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, oh god, dude!
2: Like, you, ah, it's just do awful. you think do Republicans really want this to pass? I mean, does I mean I know Trump doesn't. know. he just wants a win, so he doesn't really care. But if you're Mitch McConnell or Republicans in general in the Congress, if this passes and if the CBO is at all correct where millions of people are losing health care, and if you're targeting Medicaid, those are bad storylines, right? That's that's how you turn an electorate fairly quickly. I, I wonder whether they truly want this passed or whether they want to put up a fight so they can say that they did and then go back and tweak Obamacare. I, I just I, I'm not convinced you want to own this, especially in this form
1: this is this is not something that's going to play out well over five or ten years right. yeah because it's not it's not just Medicaid. like it's easy to sort of think medicaid gets cut and oh i'm not on medicaid um but it it alters laws about pre-existing conditions about lifetime caps so even if yes. you were on a employer health insurance and you get you know a condition that runs up a hundred thousand dollars in medical bills or a million dollars whatever the cap is then you're you know, you're screwed. So mm-hmm. it really does. It, it will. It's something that will bite a bunch of people more than just the 22 million who get booted off of insurance. So, yeah, I've, I've thought about this, too, Bill. And I, I, I think we talked about this when the House came out. I, it seems insane. I mean, it is massively unpopular. Right. right? If, if people if when people are asked about this bill, um, a significant majority of people oppose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah in a in a normal political environment i would say that you would be crazy to pass this but i also like come back to what we talked about earlier about partisanship first and i i you know i think if the republicans pass this it counts as a victory today and when people start falling i mean some of these provisions don't go into effect for a few years um when we're talking about 22 million people i I don't remember but i think that's the number like 10 years down the road or whatever they're yeah um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't put it past people to be able to think it is good that we got rid of Obamacare, and at the same time, it is somehow Democrats' fault for the problems that are existing right. as well. Um, and so, yeah, I don't. I'm not. Again, I think in a in a more sane political environment, I think it would be crazy to pass this. But I'm not sure that I. I don't know that we live in a sane political <laughs> environment, right? I. Think I, I I I don't know. I think maybe it's not as devastating to Republicans as I imagine it would be, and and there's a
2: difference between uh, you know a poll came out this week that showed uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, now has over fifty percent approval, which you know that was that took a long time to come up, but those that don't like it uh, are still adamant against it, right? And so a lot of Republican senators are facing that that very strong attack on this. So you know they're still playing to the base at this point. And again, you know, it's separate from any evaluation of the bill itself.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I mean, you can cite all the statistics that you want, but realistically, especially after what we had uh, just talked about and what we will talk about later in this episode, where are you getting your facts from? Like, who did they actually poll? That's not what. What's your source? Like, yeah, the minute you it, it just introduce that little kernel of doubt in there. Like you, you have your base. Like it's, it's not, there's so little movement between the two camps at this point. I, like you said, I don't know if it's a for sure thing that it's either gonna fail or if it's a, 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 a tactical move that they're just putting up a fight and they're just going to let it fail at some point. I, it's, it's not
1: that simple anymore. I, I think another part of this that you have to consider is that if you're a Senator considering this bill you have to consider what voters are going to do, but you also have to consider what what donors are going to what donors. Yeah. Are do, right? And donors are fully behind this, right? And so uh, you can get all, you know, you can win over a hell of a lot of voters if somebody gives you, you know, a few million dollars to run some ads with. And so um, I could see it being very much this idea of I'll deal with the backlash later right people like you were saying that like people have short memories um i i don't know that that's always you know i would like to think that that's not the case right that that what voters think and 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 policy you know what policy passes actually has a has an implication for how people vote right that's yeah. the way the system i would like the system to work but i i'm you know i'm kind of short on faith in that in a lot of
0: ways
2: lately that's cute Well, that's mitch, very cute
1: mitch mcconnell is kentucky right that's where he's from that's yep. his- yes I mean,
2: it, of, of any state that's going to get hit by this bill, Kentucky is one where, you know, huge Medicaid. I mean, that is going to hit his constituency directly, and it doesn't matter one bit, you know. Right. So I, I, I don't know.
1: It's it it's a bizarre world we're living in. Yeah, it's a little less of an issue in – I mean the other – so this is where you have all these different aspects of current politics that sort of intersect because you've got the partisanship. You've got the healthcare stuff. Um, you've got the campaign finance stuff and Citizens United and how that plays out into things. You also, not on the Senate side, but on the House side, you get into the gerrymandering issues. And so we have so many safe districts now on on both sides. I think the Republicans benefit more than Democrats, but it's on both sides. Um, to in an extent, to an extent where like you can pass something like this, and even if if you're a diehard Republican and you lose your health care, you might be pissed about it, but you're not about to vote. Democrat and if you live in a district if you represent a district that has been structured so that it is a safe Republican district then you can pass controversial bills like this without paying an electoral cost mm. um, and so yeah I mean all, all of these different aspects of politics come together you know in this one issue in a lot of different ways yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Good beer, Nick. Do we want to? We'll talk. We'll, want, I mean, is
2: this the, you know? Given that we're talking about the hyper-partisanship and you had a sip of bad beer, do we want to talk about Harris, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders?
0: Yeah, we might as well. <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, how about you introduce that one? Because I think that's that's more right up your alley.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this was so this happened yesterday. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, was doing a press briefing at the White House. And the story goes that uh, someone was telling uh, members of the administration and other reporters that um, you know, they need to make sure to watch the press briefing. That's going to be you know, must-see TV. So Sanders, um, for her first question, um, called on a Breitbart reporter who was asking her about um, CNN and you know, the, uh, the Trump-Russia hoax um, "Quote unquote," and the uh, the retraction of the story that that, uh, that CNN uh, had done fairly recently, and then um, Sanders told reporters during the White House briefing that the constant barrage of fake news directed at President Donald Trump has garnered a lot of his frustration. Um, Trump, in a pair of Tuesday morning tweets, called CNN fake news as well as NBC, CBS, ABC, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Sanders took issue specifically with CNN which recently retracted a report about the Russia investigation and Trump transition team member Anthony Scaramucci that led to three resignations at the network. Um, and then uh, it, referencing other instances of the, uh, the network, you know, blatantly lying or, or you know, um, you know, repeated wrongdoings on their part. Um, and she pointed to the, uh, that, uh, the Project Veritas video um that was recently released where there was um allegedly a CNN producer basically saying that there is no hard evidence to the um the Russia story. We're doing it for ratings. The the CEO of CNN, is it Mark Zucker? Right? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, um was is he the tell- guy
2: that's in charge of Facebook too?
0: Yeah, he's he's very yeah. multifaceted, okay.
1: yeah. Um so <laughs> Uh, that, that is in, in the name of dispelling <laughs> fake news that is not true <laughs> um,
0: so uh, yeah that, that uh, Mark Zucker had said um, when they were covering the the climate accords and that issue um, to stop focusing on that and to go back to Russia that was a bigger story um, and just this whole this whole mishmash of Russia, fake news, nonsense, and and whatever. Um, Sanders encouraged everybody in this room, and frankly, everybody across the country, to take a look at the video. Even after conceding that she's unsure whether
1: it's accurate, there's, there's a tremendous <laughs> I- irony there, right? That yeah. in an attack on fake news. She basically said, "I don't know if the video is real or not, right. but everyone should watch it." <laughs> but
0: if true, but even, she, yeah. yeah. If true, I, she said, "The video is quote." A disgrace to all of media and all of journalism. I think that we have gone to a place where if the media can't be trusted to report the news, then that's a dangerous place for America. And on and on and on with her little diatribe. Uh, and then another report. Playboy
1: came to the rescue, right?
0: Yeah. Playboy, yeah. Yeah. Um, chimed in moments later telling the White House spokeswoman that she was inflaming everybody right here and right now with those words. Any one of us, if we don't get it right, the audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us, but you have been elected to serve for four years at least. There's no option other than that. We're here to ask you questions. You're here to provide answers. And what you just did is inflammatory to all people, or I'm I'm sorry, to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the president is right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everyone in this room is only trying to do their job.
2: And this, uh, the, his response was, I mean, it was it went viral very quickly, right? Yeah. Uh, yesterday, as people were, you know, and I think it was it was divisive. There were there were two different reactions. One on the liberal side, you know, who's frustrated with the way this White House has handled and engaged the press. There was a sense that finally somebody has said something. And on the right, I think there was uh, there was like, see, again, this proves our point of all fake news and it's all perspective so once again at a stalemate nothing has changed (laughs) no i you know i will say i i feel i feel for the white house press corps right now because they don't have the megaphone that this administration does right so trump can tweet endlessly about fake news uh you can send sarah huckabee sanders sean spicer out there i mean they are the one that lead the day uh and and the press corps is just getting hammered Uh, And and again, you know, fewer. They're doing fewer press briefings. They're not allowing video or audio. Sometimes, I mean, this to me, this feels this. I'm frustrated with this. Like this feels a White House, like a White House that is trying to uh, shift uh, how how coverage occurs, and it's in in a troubling way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think there there are um, there there are a number of sort of interrelated stories that have come out this week about you know Trump's Trump's attack on the fake news has been that's been a constant right um but yeah the fact that the press corps isn't allowed to video or even record audio in these sessions anymore um i mean trump hasn't done a press conference or you know an interview with anyone other than fox news for months now um yeah i mean attacks on the press limiting the the ability to to respond um, they're all con- that's concerning. Right. I mean, and this is all, you know, in the context, the accusations of fake news, right, are in the context of Sarah Huckabee Sanders recommending that everyone watch a video that she's unsure of the veracity of of Trump having, you know, the big story yesterday, I guess, was the story of Trump having the fake time news covers all over right. his, pro- you know, his uh, properties around the world. So yeah, I mean, my my first reaction to all of this is that it's it's concerning, right? You shouldn't, you know, that, the whole idea that democracy, you know, dies in the darkness or whatever, right? Like you want, you want exposure, you want light. They should be answering questions. Um, there's uh, so I put eighty percent of my my feelings towards this is disheartening. It's bad. Sure. I still reserve a good twenty percent of my uh, of my <laughs> response to the media who continues to put people like, um, what's her name? Uh, why can't I think of her name? Kellyanne Conway yeah. on the news, right? Like if someone is going to repeatedly come on and tell blatant lies, right? Like they're going to just, not again, if we go back, there's a difference between spin and lies. If you're gonna come on and just blatantly lie about stuff, they continue to put them on because they're good ratings, right? right. So at some point there's this like, you know, at some point, the the principle of it does become more important right and, and I, I believe that a press you know The press is incredibly important. They need to be there to report on things But at some point if the White House is going to refuse to let you record or audio tape They're not going to respond. They're not going to ask questions Then at some point the press walks out right like take the take right. the microphone away from the administration Right, and, and we we may get to that point. I yeah. will never get to that point ever
0: you don't no. think so? No, and you know what, regardless of whether or not that that video is true, what the person is saying is undoubtedly true. Like the, the the it's been a ratings bonanza for for CNN and other news networks with all of this shit going on. Yeah. And I, I, for anyone that's you know focusing on the Trump administration, even late night talk shows who were in the shitter up until this point are seeing huge jumps in in viewership. So there is no part of me and, like this isn't independent news at this point. These are organizations that are run by boards of directors and have you know stockholders that they're that they're responsible for or responsible to like the, like the, you can't eat whether you're talking about cNN or MSNBC or Fox News, there is there's an ulterior motive or an undercurrent that's part of that. like it's not yep. you're just not reporting on something. And that doesn't necessarily always trickle down to the individual reporters, but you can't say that that undercurrent isn't always kind of there.
1: Um, no, I
2: think that, that that's a good point. But I think there's there's still a distinction between, I mean, you're right, all of these organizations are trying to sell newspapers, they're trying to fill airtime, but that's different than the accusation of being fake news, of having some sort of agenda. Uh, and that's what concerns me about the, the, what's going on with the Trump administration. is There's this assumption that, and it's, it's not like he's just picking on the New York Times. So this week he tweeted out, you know, attacking the New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC. I mean, he's going after everybody mm-hmm. but Fox News. Uh, and so now you've got a situation where Fox News essentially becomes like an RT, right? Russian right. television. State media. They are now, they, exactly, they have become a state media. And all of this, uh, yeah, it's it's concerning, and and I agree that networks and papers
1: have their agendas, but this feels like it's a there's a bigger glacial movement happening. Yeah, the same day that they wouldn't allow cameras into the press briefing, Sean Spicer did two on camera interviews with Fox News, right? So the yeah. the media can't have cameras to film the press conference, but he'll do on camera interviews with with Fox News. And there's you know again, if you look, there's been a number of people who have talked about. The difference in coverage between like the latest one i saw was the the healthcare vote being delayed the cnn msnbc both had you know their top story was um healthcare vote delayed uh fox news's top story was obama's go on vacation Right. Right. So it's like this it's 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 so over the top that it but I mean this is part of the, you know, again, this sort of partisanship and you can pick the news channel you want to watch and be reinforced in your views and of course. But it, it it's it's frightening when you start to see it being manipulated or used by the, you know, people in power in in that way. Yeah. Sure. If you're if you're Fox News,
2: are you worried that you're too close to the president? is that at all is that all a worry or or do you just embrace
0: this i mean it's not this it's not the old guard i think at fox news anymore anyways i i think there is a major shift in the organization in general so regardless of it being you know the the one source that's still you know in the president's good graces i don't necessarily think that's a a permanent thing going forward um Yeah. Is it the um, Murdoch's two sons that are running the organization now?
1: I don't know. I, you know, I've, I saw, I've seen some people who have talked and I am, I am not, I am no media. You know, I don't, I'm not, this is not my area of expertise at all, but I've seen a few people who have talked about Roger Ailes, who is, you know, I don't have that many good things to say about Roger Ailes, but um, I've seen a number of media critics say that Roger Ailes, at least, like for him, reporting the news was a priority, right. right? And he he might have presented the news in in a favorable light, right? In a conservative light, but he wanted to report the news. And and in the past few months, there's a fair amount of evidence that that's not what Fox is doing anymore, right? Like when yeah. you were talking about Obama's on vacation and said like the old Fox News would have at least talked about the delay of the health care yeah. vote. They might have painted it in a you know anti-democratic, you know, not anti. Democratic, but anti-democratic party, sort of like big D. Um, But they would have talked about the news, right? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't, that that seems, I I don't know. I think, Bill, I, you know, Trump is pretty damn unpopular. I saw that his, his, um, strongly unfavorable ratings are now higher than his total combined favorable ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that it's a good gamble. I mean, I think in the short run, it's I, I think it's doing more good for Trump than for Fox News. Well, he's turned on I, I Fox
0: in the past too. Like he'll he'll flip on them in an instant. Wait, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's it, it, I do not think this is. It's turning into that um, yeah that, that state run media kind of angle. Um, the, the second that they have any sort of substantive story, that's um, Pushing against him, he'll be right on their ass too. He doesn't
1: care about anyone, right? No, I, I think that's that's true. But can uh, you imagine what what would it take for Fox News to turn on him? Right. So if we go back to the partisanship, like the partisanship is the is the predictive factor in behavior. Like, the thing that has become clear to me is that with Fox News, partisanship, again, is the predictive factor, right? So Trump does not line up with what Fox News would classically have wanted as a president. In fact, in the elections, they were kind of harsh on him. But as soon as he gets elected, they're on board, right? So it's hard for me to imagine the issue that – would lead Fox to take on Trump in a way that would piss off Trump. I mean, <laughs> right, I, right? I
0: think that's what why you're seeing what you're seeing. You know, the Obamas go on vacation and, all, you know, you run through the list of stories and every other news organization is about something about the, the Trump administration. And, yeah, they're talking about things that are weeks out of the news or no one else cares about whatsoever. So I, I think there's probably some internal... Personality struggle and and shifts in in thinking that they're not able to really flesh out yet. But in the end, just like the other organizations, I, I, they're no they're no different than CNN or NBC or CBS or anything. they're going to go where the ratings are. I, I mean, I I don't think that being you know the only conservative news outlet while it has worked in the past, it's not especially with new management that's not going to be a sustainable mindset um so i i I don't know it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next six months to a year longer than that but yeah they're they're not what they used to
1: be so i i I don't know i find it interesting I mean, there are lots of, and again, this would be the sort of thing to talk to Suzanne about if she were on, but there are, are, hi, Suzanne, if you're listening (laughs) soon. You know, I I think there have been lots of discussions in in, uh, political science circles about the, the, you know, the president and the media being sort of this, you know, codependent, like mutually beneficial relationship, right, that they, they benefit from each other. What's interesting is that in the Trump administration, I see it being that the Trump the administration is doing sort of all of the taking. And I, I mean, you're right; the, the media is benefiting from higher ratings or whatever. But the question is, at what point uh, do the journalists? So I, I think the higher ratings yeah. are coming from the higher up. The journalists, the people who are doing the reporting, are are more concerned with the journalism part. And and the question is, when those two come into conflict, is there a point at which the media or the, the journalists walk away or is it such a codependent relationship that they can't ever do that right, right.
2: No. Well, and right. if they can't then
1: i mean I, I think fox
2: news is losing some of its integrity if it can't have some distance there uh if they're just a mouthpiece for the administration that's not good for them long term to be something separate or to be to be a, a news organization so no i i I think nothing happens in the short term, but down the road, five, ten years, you know, Fox could be a different organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, the the part that I, I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that the the, the same pressures don't apply to written media, right? So I, I think the same sort of you know ratings and sales and all of that apply to the New York Times and Washington Post and whatnot, but I think they're somewhat more insulated from from that than CNN and MSNBC and uh, and so I, I the other thing that you, you've seen an increase in ratings for those cable channels, but you've also seen a huge increase in subscribership for the yes. New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, which is the you know the more conservative side of it, and that I take some heart from, right? That, that's yeah. at least that's urging because I, I feel like you do actually get more. You don't get sound clips and um, pundits, right? You actually get some you get reporting and, and real discussion of, with some level of depth, right? The Washington Post has been fantastic at this in the last six months.
2: Yeah. I, 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 absolutely, I, this this is the heyday, heyday for journalism. I mean, I, you're right, the Post, the New York Times, uh, the Wall Street Journal, I mean, there's, there's some just fantastic reporting going on. and uh, So, yeah, it, it's, it's, good, it's good and bad. Yeah,
0: I saw kids selling newspapers on the streets again.
2: Can you believe no, this? Oh, Nick, you're lying. You're <laughs> lying. Take <Nick, no. laughs> they Are they yelling extra, extra, and they have their little extra? Nice <laughs> oh, Nick, mm. do we have to, are we at time for beer, or what's, what's where
0: are we Yes, at we people? should definitely do beer. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like yeah, I'm the
2: furthest away. Should I go first? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you think that Wisconsin is further from Chicago than New Hampshire is? <laughs> Oh, I, it's the furthest I've ever been away from Nick, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Go ahead. not Bill. creepy at all, but okay. All right, well, I, uh, I, I had uh, two of the same beer, but then I'm going to plug another brew that I had yesterday while doing some research for the podcast. But uh, what I had today was a Rustic Red uh, from the Wisconsin Dells Brewing Company. Uh, I love red beers, and this just just perfect. Uh, not very carbonated, you know, so it's not very like bubbly, uh, full flavor, really very drinkable, Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I'd never heard of that brewery. But yesterday, uh, I found this just little gem of a brewery up in Duluth, Minnesota, called the Canal Park Brewing Company. And I I posted a picture of some samples I had yesterday. But they have a IPA called Stone Surf, which is out of this world. I mean, it's just uh, one of my favorite IPAs I've ever had. Hmm. Hoppy, but not too hoppy, uh, but not, not too citrusy either, right? A lot of the, in the summer, they move towards citrus, uh, IPAs and this was just like a in-your-face IPA, so uh, very good.
1: And uh, shout out to Canal Park Brewing Company. Awesome. What you got, Phil? So I I, I can So last week I had uh, old fashions. This week I'm continuing my break <laughs> from uh, beer, and I had gin and tonics today. It's been <laughs> nice and warm and nice. in New Hampshire, and so I went with a gin and tonic. So I, uh, I I should I should name. Normally I'm a Hendrix gin sort of guy, but I went with Tanqueray number ten this time, which is a also a nice. Uh, gem so cool so right now i'm having
0: a an ironworks uh from metropolitan brewing out of chicago um the first sip tasted like uh really bad liquor of some kind which is shocking like some malort <laughs> kind of like some malort yeah um and i'm looking at right and i figured it would be it would look like motor oil in the light no it's really light which is weird um, but it kind of grew on me. Uh, maybe it killed all my taste buds. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's, um, uh, it, it really does have kind of a, um, like an oaky kind of almost whiskey aftertaste, something mm. like that, which in certain situations is good, but, um, having it after what I had previously, that was a little bit of a shock. Um, I'm going to give that a neutral for, for all now. right. now. Um, the first one that I had, though, which I we kind of shied away from larger breweries, but um, this is what I had in the house at the time. Um, I had a Blue Moon uh, Mango Wheat. Um, it was so fucking good. <laughs> um, like, crazily good. Like I, I mean, I, I can easily see. It's, you know, we're coming up to 4th of July weekend. I can easily see getting several cases of this hmm. um, for barbecues and whatnot it's less mangoey and more peachy I guess um, hmm. but really light and and airy um, and super drinkable so yeah I'll be picking up lots of this um,
2: you know, Blue Moon is a Coors product, right? Is it, it is, and the, my favorite part about Blue Moon is that it was, you know, at Coors Field, they have their own little microbrewery in the stadium, and that's where Blue Moon started. It was just some little concoction that, uh, that that Coors at Coors Field was making, and everybody liked it, and then it just it just blew up from there. So, no, it, it, it fits our M.O., Nick, of, you know, the small brewery. <laughs> I'll it take it. Just, <laughs> Trying to
1: get ahead. I will take it. Um, take a Fox News. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: you can find uh. all of our selections. Um, some will be on the Facebook page. Uh, you can find all of the actual beers on our Untapped profile. Um, you can download uh, Untapped on the App Store. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is on Android because Android is dumb. Um, but whatever that store is, uh, and look for the username is barstool politics, and we list all of our beers and and rate them on there. So make sure to download that when you have a chance. Um, do you have time for like a quick topic? We got, like ten minutes.
1: Sure. What so, was?
0: What else were we going to talk about?
1: So I the, the the other news story that I would like to talk about both of. A number, of which, a number of aspects of this topic could take a long time, so we can maybe do it quickly, is that it's the end of the Supreme Court term, so they, oh. they have come out with a number of decisions. Um, the biggest one, and maybe the one with our remaining sort of five or ten minutes that we should talk about, is the travel ban. Yes. Right? So the Supreme Court, yeah. um, they came out with it. They had a gun rights case that they've decided they've ta- they're going to take up, and at some point I want to talk about uh, – um, gay wedding cakes. So uh, I, I, lo- I love gay wedding cakes. They're there's so as I said, in the
2: text, you guys are so much better than straight wedding cakes. Um,
1: yeah. So there's a case that they will take up next term about whether or not uh, some Colorado. It comes from a Colorado bakery, or from a Colorado jurisdiction, which a baker refused to make a cake for a gay couple, uh, which violated Colorado law. and the supreme court is going to determine that case there's all sorts of interesting discussions there but the big newsworthy one the one that's been in the news is the um, travel ban case which the supreme court did not decide they will take it up next term but in the meantime they have reinstated portions of the travel ban so the lower courts had put a total stop on the travel ban um, at multiple points so if you remember correctly they, they stopped the first one The Trump administration, rather than appealing, brought forth a new travel ban that removed Iraq from the list of limited countries. Um, And then two lower courts put a stop to the second travel ban, one based on the religion issue, which said that uh, you can't discriminate based on religion. The other uh, court put a stop on it based on constitutional issue. They argued that the Congress had not given the president this wide ranging of a power so two different issues at stake one of which is sort of a constitutional issue about separation of powers one of which is about religious discrimination so the the court will take up this case in the i guess in the fall Um, but in the meantime they reinstated parts of the travel ban so now there are limitations but if you have i think a bona fide connection i think was a term to america in some way uh you can get bona bona fide that's you you don't hear that word every day yeah so it (laughs) like a number of the things we've talked about this is something that both sides have sort of claimed a victory on so trump has been you know going on about how this is a victory for the travel ban um i the people who are challenging it i think are happy that the supreme court's considering it and they're not i don't think they're too upset about the reinstated parts the parts that have been reinstated um so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Know. Have you guys read much about it? Do you have a take on it or an opinion on it? You know, it's. it's I think,
2: it, like you said, it's hard to have an opinion this early because it just means the court is going to take it. it. I think it is significant that the court reinstated it, right? I mean, they said you know you can be banned unless you've got a bona fide reason, which the court is being so cryptic. Like, what what does a bona fide reason mean? I mean, if you have family, if you have business connections, right. but like. What does that so there's gonna be a whole host of
1: lawsuits dissecting that particular term. Mm-hmm.
2: Um
1: it yeah, like it, it, go ahead. it's it seems like it opens a whole nother can of worms because there's no instructions on what this bona fide connection thing means. Right. So right. it's gonna be left up to like customs and border you know, border control people yeah. to make these decisions. All right. And there are all sorts of debates about whether or not bona fide connections to the US means your mom lives here or whether it means yeah, I've seen some people say that if you have a hotel reservation, because it's a bona fide connection to an entity, and so like yes. if you have a hotel reservation, you have a— so like <laughs> what? And I feel so bad for the for the the border people, right? The people right, who yeah. are the immigration people are having to now deal with this ambiguity. <laughs> there's like people lined up, and
2: they're like bona fide, bona fide, no, no, bona, yeah, it's 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 a nightmare. Now, I will say, it was, it was Gorsuch, and I think there were three justices, I can't remember, two of the other conservatives who said, we should just reinstate the ban until we hear it, because this bona fide stuff is garbage. How, right. how are we supposed to give any advice on that? And I'm, I am sympathetic to that. I, I think that they shouldn't have reinstated it, but either reinstate it or don't, I mean, but this right. bona fide stuff is kind of wishy-washy. Mm. Um, uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, how long is there recess at this point? I don't, oh, I, I don't know.
1: I don't it is, know. It is longer than the 90 days that the original ban was supposed to last. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, realistically, so they could have reinstated it. And yeah. by the time they came back, it would have been done anyway. <laughs> right. Right. And that's been one of the critiques as well, or one of the responses is that by basically doing this, you're basically allowing the ban, you know, to, to play out. Now, the question is whether they can, you know, will they, will they make these sort of issues, these sorts of policies more permanent in the future? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I, we've talked about it in the past, but as I've thought more about it and wrestled with it, I'm really kind of fascinated by the constitutional issues at play here. I'll be really interested to see how the court um, decides this. Because so from a policy perspective, I think it's a bad idea, right? I don't like the, the, the ban. I think it's problematic for foreign policy. It's problematic for lots of things. I do think the question of whether it's constitutional is a question that's up in the air and yeah. the president has given lots yeah. of power. Um, certainly discriminating purely on religion would be unconstitutional, but you know, he's listed five specific countries. He hasn't banned all Muslims. You know, there are questions about whether or not, you know, in terms of foreign policy, he can essentially do whatever he needs to. And yeah, I, I, there's, there's, I, it's a really interesting constitutional case. I would be, I would I would love to sit in on the Supreme Court discussions to, to hear how they consider it. Yeah. Yes, I think it's it's a poor strategic decision, but
2: it might be constitutional, right? I mean, it, right. we might the court might say the president has the right to make a bad decision, even though right. like the this is not going to help us foreign policy wise or strategically or you know the war on terrorism, all of that. But he has the right to make those choices. Right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, did you guys see? So, you, Phil, you mentioned uh, Trump's tweets about all of this. Uh, One of my favorites on this was he said, quote, tweeted this out, I want people who can love the United States and all of its citizens and who will be hardworking and productive. (laughs) Travel ban, travel ban. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And again, it's, it's, it's taken on a whole other life. It is no longer really about security. Uh, it's about a partisan political issue. Can he do this, yeah. uh, as opposed to whether it's keeping the country safe or not?
1: Because I, I think that's a, a, total, a whole, totally separate issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. It has taken on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there are, there are people who I think uh, I, there are, there are some people who are very principled in their stand on both sides of this. I think there are a lot of people who this issue has become about you know Trump and not necessarily about for many people are not about the constitutionality or the questions at its heart. And so, um, but yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a certain, you know, a certainty ruling in, in necessarily either um, direction. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's Definitely. a, you,
2: you mentioned, there's a number of these cases that in a future episode, we should sit down and talk about, because that would be a lot of fun.
1: I Gay good. wedding cake.
2: Gay uh, wedding yes. cake. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Oh, Um, Should
0: we do some shameless plugs, Nick? Yes. So, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Twitter at Barstool Paul. uh, Barstool Politics at Yahoo.com. Barstool Politics on the Untapped app. Um, What else do we have? (laughs) Uh,
2: Did you mention the email?
0: I (laughs) I think I did.
2: Okay. I, I, I right. can't it's remember because it's got mentioned. <laughs> so unimportant. Um,
0: Barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. That's
2: right. Yeah. Sometimes I forget it myself. Um,
0: yeah. We're, we're starting to get um, emails from people about asking what beers we have. If you guys have suggestions, um, shoot us an email on, on I guess, at, to our email address, um, BarstoolPolitics yeah. at yahoo, um, or just throw us a, a Facebook message uh, or something like that. We're always looking for new things to try. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, yeah. a couple other things, uh, you know, if, if something, if a topic during the week grabs you, a couple of you reached out and sent us messages about stuff to talk about, please continue to do that. Uh, you know, we had a wonderful time last week with Peter Rice, an author, so if you know people who are writing books who might want to come on and, and chat with us, please let us know about that, too, because uh, it's, it's always fun to talk to new people.
0: Yes, we'll easily we- sell like three or four books for you.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. The hard. The Hardcover. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably get an intern to handle all this email traffic we're generating. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm working on that one. <laughs> um.
0: Anything else, guys? No, this is fun. Always fun.
2: Right. Well.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll be. We'll be back to normal next week. Um. Yeah. On Wednesday. Have. Uh, have a good Fourth of July. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers,
1: Cheers.